and welcome to your RAF Mildenhall Protestant Parish Podcast. We pray that today's message inspires and encourages your heart. Get ready for a life-changing word from the Lord. We pray that you are inspired and encouraged today. Join us next week for another life-changing experience. How we doing, everybody? We doing okay? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Yeah, yeah. It's been a little while since I've uh, had the opportunity uh, to speak before you. Uh, As some of you may know, uh, I've been gone because, uh, you hear that? We had a new one. (laughs) We had a new uh, addition to our family, Journey Elise. Maddox. Uh, so I've been gone about, oh, thank you. Yeah. I did all the work. Yes. Where my wife at? Oh, okay. Uh, but yes, uh, thank you. Uh, so been a little bit of a hiatus, been on, uh, took some leave and spent some time with the family and everything. So I'm blessed to be back in front of you today to uh, share another portion of God's word. Is that all right? Okay. All right. Y'all ready? Okay. Uh, as always, it's good to see everyone. Um, we're going to try and jump into uh, the scriptures quickly because I'm going to try this new thing. may not be successful. I'm going to try to be quick. All right? Uh, so pray for me uh, as we go and jump into the scriptures. We're going to dive into Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And we're going to start at verse 17 and go through verse 26. Now, some of you may be realizing that that's, that verse sounds familiar. Those who go to our Airman's Ministry Bible class, Seamus Plug, uh, our Airman's Ministry meets on uh, Tuesday nights here at the chapel at 1800. And uh, this is, we're going through the, the Gospel of Luke and we were just reading this. It was so much that we decided uh, to use two Bible classes and we still didn't get through everything. So um, I decided I'm going to use it today. All right. Hopefully, I won't pull too much meat off this bone. Uh, I'm going to leave some for everyone else to chew on, okay? Luke chapter 5, verse 17. I'm going to start at verse 17 and conclude at verse 26. And the Bible says, I believe this is the New King James Version. Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a, a men brought a bed, brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. Talking about Jesus. And when they came, when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on top on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the mist before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven. Verse 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? 
Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his house, glorifying God. God. And they all were amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Amen. Um, as we look to go into this sermon, um, I'm reminded of a, a little story. I want to give you that will also give us our sermon title for today. Uh, have you ever heard of the three little pigs, little red, uh, three little pigs, and the big bad wolf? Heard of that? Uh, have you heard of Little Red Riding Hood and the big bad wolf? Okay. Have you heard of the boy who cried wolf and the big bad wolf? Okay. Some of you, not so much on that. Okay. Well, the story goes like this. All of these big bad wolves were finally caught up. They was wrangled up, arrested, and taken to trial. And the judge says that for their crimes, their heinous crimes, they will be sentenced to capital punishment. Okay? Now, he says, now you have a choice. Two choices. Lethal injection or the electric chair. And so the day comes where the three big bad wolves are on death row. Their day has come, okay? And the three big bad wolves uh, cry out what they want. So the first big bad wolf comes up. He says, I want to go peacefully. I want lethal injection. So they administer that, and he slowly passes away. The next big bad wolf says, oh, I'm a big bad wolf. Give me the electric chair. And so they start the electric chair, and then it shorts out. He looks around. Big Bad Wolf checks himself. He says, I'm okay. The, uh, the executioner was like, uh, what should we do? And the, the uh, person ahead of the whole thing, he says, well, we, we executed what we were supposed to execute. I guess he goes free. The Big Bad Wolf is like, yes, runs off, goes free. And now it's the third Big Bad Wolf's turn. And he comes up and he said, what would you like? Lethal injection or the electric chair? He stops and he thinks. He says, well, lethal injection because clearly the electric chair is broken. The title of our sermon and what I would say to the wolf on that day, you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it. Let us go to God in prayer. Precious God, we just ask that you be with us right now at this time. We ask that your uh, spirit and your word moves our hearts and minds uh, to be drawn closer to you. We love you. We thank you and we praise you. And it is in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You missed it. You missed it. Now. Okay. You missed it. Uh, like I said, I don't have a lot of time. I'm going to assume I started about five minutes ago. Um, but since we do uh, have some time, I want to dive into this 
Uh, like I said, we've been doing this in the uh, Aaron's Ministry Bible class on Tuesdays. And, uh, oh, yeah, and if you want to come, you are more than welcome. Whether you want to cook, just come, hang out, or both, you are more than welcome. Okay? Um, today, instead of preaching, I want to just allow us to have time and opportunity to think. If I can today, I want to provoke thought, if that's all right. As we jump into um, this passage, this pericope, uh, just a recap, we see that there's this man who's paralyzed, right? And he needs to get to Jesus. And so him and some friends go up on the roof, break through the roof, and they get before Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, what faith. What faith they have. That's a big thing. We're not going to stop there, but uh, that's a big thing. He says, what, what faith do you have? And because of that, he says, your sins, man, your sins are forgiven. Okay, all right. What happens after that? They start questioning Jesus. Who is this guy who thinks he can forgive sin? Blasphemies, blasphemies. And Jesus is like, all right, good buddy. Since that's not good enough for you, watch this. So that you will know my power, who I am. He says, to the man, take up your bed and walk, go home. And that's what he does. And watch this. The people are amazed by this. And they're like, ooh, we've seen some things today. We've seen some things today. And to those people, just like the big bad wolf, I would say, you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. Uh, let me ask a question. Two things happened in that house. Which one was bigger? Which one was bigger? A lot of times, a lot of us will run to the miracle that had the man that's been paralyzed for so long. We'll run there and say, you know what? That was it. Just like everybody in that room. Ooh, ah, wow. That's amazing. Somebody that cannot walk gets up and walks. Now, it is amazing. If somebody that could not walk got up right now and said, I'm good, and just walked off, I would have a lot of questions, and I would be shocked. I would be amazed. Okay? That's a big deal. But how big in comparison is the deal that Jesus says your sins are forgiven. And I wonder when Jesus forgives sins today, if we are just as amazed if somebody got up and walked. If not, may I submit to you, you missed it. This is a big deal. This is a huge deal. Because something that happens right in front of us every day, we, we miss. Some of us don't even credit it to be something as significant as the miracle we see because it happens all the time, right? Jesus forgives us every day. And I use that, I pull that card every day. I do something, oop, my bad, Jesus. You know my heart. Every day. And we don't realize how significant it is 
for our sins to be forgiven. A lot of us feel like that's, that's nice and all, chat, but uh, I'm hungry right now. I'm in physical pain right now. My finances aren't where they need to be right now. Thank you for telling me that Jesus forgives me of my sins, but that's not going to pay these bills. That's not going to help me get up out this hospital. That's, gonna, that's not going to help me figure out what I'm going to do next with my life. Hmm. I would argue that maybe there's more to forgiveness of sin than we often give credit to. Maybe there's more to this sin thing and the forgiveness of it than we give credit. The Westminster Dictionary of Theological Terms defines sin like this. The human condition of separation from God that arises from opposition to God's purpose. Let me say it another way. The way I understood it. Sin is what separates us or blocks us from what God has for you and where God wants you to be. A lot of times sin blocks us from the relationship with God or even sometimes relationship with one another. We wonder why our significant relationships with our spouse, kids, or whomever are struggling. Sin can stop us from realizing and reaching God's purpose for our lives. Better yet, it may be the one thing that is robbing us of our peace of our joy and polluting and perverting our understanding and idea of love. And so a lot of times when we talk about love, which is probably one of the greatest things we could ever have, we don't know what it is. We don't even know how to recognize it. And so we go through this world feeling like we never had it even if it was sitting right in front of our faces. Sin robs us from what is going on within. I would argue that it's bigger than anything you can physically touch or see. It is. And being forgiven of that, being reconciled and reconnected to the source, to God, is something amazing to undertake and understand. Don't miss it. Like I said, we had a baby. Now, sometimes things like this, we take for granted, right? We take for granted. Let's be honest. We, we take certain things that God does for us for granted. But when it's taken from us, that's when it becomes a real thing. That's when we realize, oh, no, maybe not having all the money in the world is, you know, not a big deal. Maybe what I have is good enough. Maybe not having the flashiest car isn't that big of a deal. Maybe what I've been blessed with is good enough, especially when it's compared to me having peace 
especially when it's compared to me having hope, especially when I compare it to having true love in my life, joy that no one can take away from me. I wonder if we understand that and if we truly appreciate that. A great example that I've, I've learned over the last month and a half, when you think about things that maybe you take for granted, um, this new baby, I was just talking to somebody about this earlier, this new baby has made me appreciate sleep a lot more than I ever have. I can't tell you how much when I hit the bed finally and everyone's asleep and I just get in the bed, oh, I'm kicking around like a kid. Yes, Lord. Gee, I never thought I would praise God in the bed because it's been taken from me, something I took for granted. And when I don't have it like I used to, oh, it hits different. I understand now why that was important. And I don't know if you've ever been sleep deprived. Most of you should have if y'all been to boot camp. I don't know if you've been sleep deprived, but a lot of things don't matter anymore when you don't have any sleep. Some of you coffee drinkers would say, don't talk to me. Don't look at me funny. Don't even breathe my way until I can get myself together. When we don't have things that we're used to, and sometimes we take for granted, that's when things become uh, very clear as to what is important and where our priorities should be. And might I add that what Jesus gives is more important than a lot of times what we get it for. And I would argue beyond what we think we understand and what we think we value, let your peace be taken away. Let that joy be taken away. Let the love that we all desire be taken away. And as my dad would say, all the other things won't amount a hill of beans if what we truly need isn't there. Don't miss it. Sleep, I miss it. I miss it. But don't miss this. There's an African proverb that says this. If we overcome the enemy within, the enemy around us cannot harm us. If we overcome the enemy within, the enemy around us cannot harm us. We're so worried about trying to take care of everything else, but we forget what is really important, what God is doing or trying to do in our lives. We're so concerned about what God can do for us instead of what God can do in us. And because we're worried about all those other things, we miss what God is really trying to do in our lives. We missed it. We talk about being blessed. When we, when we have the, uh, the airman's ministry, Every time we go around, we check in and everything. And one, the last thing I wanted to check in is, is uh, what is your praise report? What has God done? And be honest, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it is hard. But what I want to train and to uh, allow the practice of 
is that we don't miss what God does in our lives every day. Because oftentimes when things are going a different way than we plan, we'll miss it. When God is trying to work something in us and we're being tested, God is trying to grow us, and we see that we feel like everything's falling apart, we'll miss it. And so are we stopping to know what is truly happening, what God is trying to do within us versus for us? And I ask people all the time, what is a blessing to you? And a lot of times they go straight to the nice car, the nice house, all of those things. But why all that's fine? And yes, God is good. What is God really trying to do in our lives? What is God trying to create within us? I would argue that uh, this man that was uh, paralyzed on this bed, I would argue that if Jesus has stopped right there with your sins are forgiven, it would have been more than enough. But a lot of us would have been like, hold on, Jesus. That's not what I came here for. Stop playing with me. I need you to get what I came for. I need to get what I came for. These legs ain't been walking in a while. I need, it, I need it fixed up. And I wonder how often in our own lives we pray and ask God for things and God gives us something. And we're like, oh, not that, not that. I needed you to put another zero in my bank account, Lord. That's not what I asked for. I need to get that promotion. What you, what you gave me is, is nice, thank you, but it's not what I asked for. And I wonder if we can be truly content with what God has given us. Is that truly enough for us? Or do we want something different, something more? These are honest questions that, hey, you, you, we all have to sit down and take time to investigate within our own hearts and minds to understand if we want what we want or do we want what God wants for us. Because a lot of times that can be two different paths. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. As we look to close, I, I find that a lot of times, if we're being honest, we miss it every day. The things that God is doing for us in our lives, oftentimes we miss. It blies, it just, it just blows right past us. We miss it. But I want to offer you just a moment to stop and think right now what God is truly doing in your life. What has God given you that is more significant than this lame man getting up on walking? 
What is more important for you? You know, there's a lot of things I pray to God for. I have. And some of them, you know, hey, I'm not knocking anybody taking whatever they need to God. Listen, I pray for the Carolina Panthers to win the Super Bowl. We missed it. However, God has done so much more in my life that that doesn't matter, although I still want that. I need you to take time to fully appreciate what God is doing in your life. Because a lot of times the depression that sits in, a lot of times the sadness, the overwhelm sits in, it comes from a place of us missing what God is doing. We're asking for God to change things in our lives and God is saying, that's exactly what I'm doing. You're missing it. Notice how Jesus says that, hey, so that you will see. So that you will see that the Son of Man has power. Who I am, I'm going to do this. Take up your bed and walk. I want you to see it. It's there. You don't want to miss it before it's too late. I want you to see it. Last thing, leave you with the story and the last thought. The story I heard, once there was a king with four wives, all of which he loved. However, the fourth wife was the one he loved the most. He adorned her with the finest jewelry and all the pleasures he could offer her. The second to her was his third wife. He loved her very much. He was very, she was very beautiful and desired by all. And he loved to show her off to anybody that would pay attention. The second wife was next. He leaned on the second wife for advice and help whenever he was faced with a problem. And then there was his first wife. She was very loyal. Silently, without demanding any recognition or reward, made great contributions to this king's overall health, wealth, and life. But the king will often overlook this, and thus she was given, uh, she was often neglected and ignored to all that she actually contributed to his life. One day, the king was on his deathbed as Father Time slowly seemed to win. Scared, not wanting to go through death alone, he called his wives one by one to go with him. He called his fourth wife and said, I love you so much. I love you more than life itself. Would you go with me to this next life? No, She's ex she exclaims, nah. When you die, we will go our separate ways and you'll never see me again. This hurt him. He calls his third wife and said, I love you more than anything. Will you go with me to this next life? No, she replies. When you die, 
I will likely go and be with someone else. I'll likely remarry. He was crushed. Desperate, he calls his second wife, the one who he has always went to when he had a problem. And he asks, will you go with me to this next life? She responds, as much as I love and care for you, I cannot go with you. I can stay with you until you die. But after that, you must journey on alone. Devastated, he starts to cry. And just then from the shadows, a voice softly calls out, I will go with you. I will follow you wherever you go. He perks up to see who it was and he realizes that it was his first wife. As she emerges from the dim corner of the room with him all along. As she slowly made her way to his side, he realizes how frail, weak, and unkept she was. Noticing his face, she explains, I served and loved you, but you were so focused on your other wives and other things, I was often overlooked and neglected. Now, this is what I have become and all I have to offer you. Grieve, the king says, I wish I took better care of you and loved you more. Because I did not, this is what you have become. Is there anything that I can do right now to make it right? She responds, the opportunity you speak of was available to you for many years. And only now you ask if you can dedicate more time, effort, and investment in me when you no longer have any of it. So the answer to your question, my king, is no. The opportunities you seek have gone away. You missed it. Immediately, he was stricken with deep despair and passes away. These wives represent something. The fourth wife, the one he loved the most, represents our body. We often take care of the physical things. We're worried about our bills and everything else, and we take care of that a lot. The third wife is our status and money. We're often concerned about how much we have. But when it's all said and done, it's going to go to somebody else. It will remarry. The second wife is our friends and family. They love us. They're there for us as much as they can be, but they can only go so far with us. And the first wife is your soul and the spirit that God has given you. That's what goes with you. The question is, are we taking care of it the way we should? Or are we neglecting it and doing so many other things that we miss what's really important? I wonder if when God sees the soul that he's given us and what we've done with it, will he say, well done? Or you missed it. Don't miss this. Take time to take care of what is really important. Don't let anything get in the way. This is for us. This is for you. I don't want anybody to feel like 
when it's all said and done, that you missed it. Don't miss the miracles and the workings that God is doing in your life. And if you can ensure against that, you too will be filled with the blessing that God gives you every day and be able to recognize it and hold on to something that cannot be taken away or destroyed. Don't miss it. God bless you.